I spoke to a young teenager who started at a high school recently, and they told me that the first question they were asked was about their preferred pronouns. As they explained this to me, they said, I'm not sure I know what a pronoun is, let alone why it matters what I want to be called. Shortly after they were asked this, they were asked if they are LGBTQ. And then they were asked if they support LGBTQ. And they were stupefied. Their 12 years of life had not yet prepared them for this world. When I asked a 30-year-old woman how she would respond in her professional life at a global corporation, she also was unsure. And the truth is that most of us struggle to keep pace with the speed of progress. So many of us are unsure about how to answer these kinds of questions. I think we're especially concerned with fitting the stereotypes of Christian hatred or intolerance. We're nervous about the names that we might be called. We're worried that we won't really be heard. So what do we do when global pride comes to town? Sydney's hosting Global Pride in 2023, and many Christians wonder, how should we respond? How can we genuinely care and show concern for people in this space when the LGBTQ agenda seems to be so against what we believe as Christians? Today on the podcast, we'll hear from a same-sex attracted Christian about his reflections on how to think and live in such times. Hello and welcome to the Center for Christian Living podcast. My name is Chase Kuhn, and I'm coming to you from Moore Theological College in Sydney, Australia. Today on the podcast, I'm welcoming back a friend and a student of mine, Simon Swadling, who's in his final year here at Moore College studying. Last time on the podcast, we got to hear from Simon a bit about his personal testimony as a same-sex attracted Christian. And today, I'm very glad to welcome him back on the podcast. Simon, welcome. Thanks. I'm glad to be back. (laughs) Today, we want to be talking about something that's happening in Sydney this year, which is World Pride. Each year, Sydney hosts a Mardi Gras festival, which celebrates the LGBTQ community and really tries to promote that agenda throughout the city and the culture more widely. They garner all kinds of sponsors for this. They bring in all kinds of celebrity support, have a massive parade and all kinds of events. And this year, 2023... I think they're calling it like the Olympics of Pride rallies. Basically, they're inviting all nations to come in to Sydney to celebrate Pride. So that's what we're talking about today. And disclaimer right up front, both of us are probably petrified of this topic. Am I right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a heterosexual man. You're a homosexual attracted man. And we both are quite terrified of talking about this because (laughs) we realize how fraught it is. Yeah. I would love to know from you, as a Christian man who is same-sex attracted, how do you process the cultural pushes for... LGBT community acceptance. Mm. And I guess I mean that emotionally. You see people who are identifying a whole host of ways, and they're not the same by any stretch. I mean, they're quite different amongst each of those letters in the acronym. But how do you process it as a man who's a Christian and same-sex attracted? Yeah, I think, and I'll probably use this word every five seconds as we're talking about this, it's really complicated. (laughs) It is really hard to think about and process And you need to work hard as a Christian to think about what is good, what are the right things that we can see, what is something that 
represents part of who we are and how we're made that you can see that maybe has been distorted or is different. And I think I really identify with the want for a space where you feel understood and known and accepted. I think that is something that universally we want as people and I think something that can be a real struggle for someone who's in a sexual minority to think what is a space where I feel accepted and safe and what acceptance and safe looks like is complicated and different from different perspectives but I really resonate with that and have felt it can be really hard work to get people to help them understand who I am and how this impacts who I am and how I think that can just be really draining. And so having someone else who is in the same kind of space or has had similar experiences to you can be just such a sense of relief mm. to have a shorthand with someone who understands some of what you've gone through or how you experience things. And you kind of don't have to get someone up to scratch, which is fine and is part of life for everyone to be understood by someone else. You have to be able to communicate that. But sometimes can feel really draining, I think, as a same-sex attracted Christian to think about how can I feel understood in this space and in what is complicated and difficult. And so I can see that attractiveness in that space and in Pride. I read an interview with someone the other day who said exactly that, like why it was important to them. When they were young, it was really lonely. They longed to be understood and supported by someone who'd walked a similar path and to be acknowledged and valued for being different. And they say how exciting it is that we get to host this significant and important world event in our dynamic, all-inclusive, multicultural <clears throat> Sydney. And, like, I can really resonate with some of that sentiment. Like, it is exciting to find people who understand you. That is just exciting for anyone to feel mm. understood and seen. And I think particularly for a community who has felt really misunderstood and demonized and rejected, to find a space where you can feel accepted is something that is really exciting for them. And I can see why mm. that is a big deal for that community. Yeah. But then on the other hand, I have the side of me that really cares about how God has made us and designed us and what God says is good and the ways in which the LGBT community can stand pretty directly against those values that I hold really dear. And so I think it can lead to a really uncomfortable tension. And sometimes I can feel like I stand in some sort of no man's land of mm. there are things that I sympathize with and understand about that community. And there are things that I really don't like about that community. But I could say the same for Christian community. Yeah. There are things where I feel really understood and a part of, but there are times where I feel quite on the outer. And I think in both spaces, particularly someone who is same-sex attracted, but believes in the traditional biblical ethic of marriages for a man and a woman and everything else outside that is celibacy, you can feel quite invisible because there's often not a space for that position in both communities, I think, yeah. that is just not understood that much in the LGBT community. If you have these desires, why aren't you acting on them? There's no in-between step of having those desires, but not believing to act on them. And in the Christian space, you can feel really misunderstood. Mm. People may not have experience helping people in this or even with people in that community. And so can just be thoughtless or say things that can be hurtful or can really give in to the polarization that we just live in as a society. And I think even as Christians, we can tend towards that in ways that can make people like me feel a bit invisible. Yeah. And not quite like I belong anyway, even though I know I belong fundamentally in the Christian community. Yeah. Because that's where God has called me and placed me in. Yeah. That's so insightful, Simon. Thank you for sharing that. 
I feel a little bit sad and discouraged, actually, that we haven't done better about that, that mm. people do find themselves in no man's land. Mm. And I guess the reason why I'm sad about that is because of the loneliness and because of the missing out on what gospel community should actually be and do, but also because of the temptation that it puts on people unnecessarily. So if you want to be accepted somewhere, what people tell you in the LGBTQ community is be accepted through conformity. So, yeah. if you want to be here, live out every bit of you that feels any urge in this way, and nobody should tell you otherwise. So, you go to full acceptance through full participation, and yet, as you said before, in the Christian community, you can easily be misunderstood or misrepresented or maybe looked at suspiciously or yeah. other things. I mean, I've heard horrible stories. Yeah. Somebody began sharing about this. People automatically assume somebody's a pedophile and unsafe around children yeah. or something terrible. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's so misunderstood. So I guess as a Christian community, we've got to do better about yeah. loving and supporting and caring for people yeah. that are following after Jesus. Yeah. It's really wonderful. Within that other community, I guess, and pride... I find a lot of Christians feel very uncertain about how to engage with that. So, in our city and in Sydney, there are banners everywhere. There are major sponsors everywhere. In fact, every billboard advertising something, it seems, around the city right now yeah. is focused on we're for pride and everything yeah. else. That puts a certain kind of cultural pressure on Christians. Yeah. And I'll share anecdotally, I was speaking to a teenager recently who's just entering high school and their very first exposure to a high school crowd asked them their pronouns. And mm. They didn't even know what a pronoun was. <laughs> they asked if they were LGBTQ. Yeah. And they were asked that basically, do you participate as an LGBTQ member? But then they were also asked, do you support the LGBTQ community? Mm. And they felt very uncertain about what to do. But as I spoke about that with another adult in their professional business place, they had no idea how to yeah. engage with their friends in the community who are LGBTQ or for the LGBTQ rallies or anything else. So how as Christians do we encounter this wave of culture coming at us and do it with love, mm. in truth, and do it sensibly? I mean, do you have any advice? And I realize that's a massive question, yeah. but do you have any advice? Yeah. Well, I think, and to say that word again, it is complicated. And even for me who spends a decent amount of time reading in this space and listening to podcasts and things and Christians talking about this and people sharing their stories, I find it overwhelming to think about. And I think that is in part because there is so much diversity even within that community. I think it can be easy to paint a community we're not a part of with one brush and go, well, it's all the same and all in that space. And I think we need to push against that, even in how we think about that. I think that's just our default reaction is to kind of try and put people in boxes. And I think we can really do that as we think about the LGBTQ community. But there's so much diversity even within that community. And so I think even our own assumptions as we go into thinking about that space, I think we really need to try and foster an atmosphere of curiosity. I think that is really helpful on so many levels. I think it helps us in trying to pull back a defensive feeling we can have or a help pull back that nervousness that we can have in talking about this space, which people can sense. If you're defensive, people can really sense that. And so fostering a sense of curiosity really helps you to actually be interested in the people who are in front of you. Try and understand 
where they're coming from and why these things are important to them. I think that's just fundamentally really important in how we interact in this space. Also because that helps them see that you are interested in them as a person. And when we often hear the really polarized view of this in how the debates happen in the media and in real life, sometimes you can think, I think people from that community through Christians saying the wrong thing and doing dumb things, but also through the way other people talk about Christians can think that they don't care about who you are as a person. They're just here to judge you and to tell you how to live your life. Whereas if you can show that you're actually interested in them as a person and that you're curious, it helps you and it helps them to feel like they actually want to be seen and understood by you. And that is a really beautiful thing for them and for them to see someone who is really different from them and of a different community and has different background and preferences and values still is interested in knowing them as a person and valuing them as a person. That in itself is a really powerful testimony to fight against that assumption that Christians are judgmental and only out to judge you. But showing your interest in who they are as a person is really helpful, I think, as a fundamental approach, both for you and for them. And so I think that's really helpful. And alongside that, a compassionate curiosity and compassion, I think, are two really helpful things to think about actually how this person needs Jesus just as much as I do. No matter what we hear in the media or in discussions that we hear about these things, Jesus is good for everyone. His salvation is good. Knowing God is good. We are designed to know God. And so I think as well, having a confidence in the goodness of the Christian message is just really essential. And I think we can think that we feel confident about this and maybe we can be confident at a base level, but then when we interact in these spaces, we actually can feel quite uncomfortable. And so working to understand why what God says is good is really important. For you to go in that space and be confident that you can love this person well without them shaking your faith. And I think sometimes we can be fearful of that in interacting with someone who is other and different, that actually maybe they're going to make me question what I believe. And I think curiosity helps with that. But actually being confident in what God said is good is also really helpful. So you can also come from a place that is not defensive because you're confident in what God says. And so you're not trying to prove yourself to this other person, but you're trying to know them and love them while still knowing what you hold as true and as important and what God says is good. That's excellent. Again, it's just so wise. I mean, to ask something of somebody rather than just assume. Mm. I mean, if the world did that, we would be in a far better place. (laughs) Instead of just assuming the worst or putting somebody into a box too quickly, which so quickly polarizes Mm. things and doesn't allow for dialogue, to begin asking questions and just showing a loving interest, would be great. And then again, as you encourage compassion for people, as they're journeying through life, they are where we would have otherwise been, but yeah. for the grace of God, in one way, shape, or form, right? Yeah. And the only thing that's different from us is that we've known and trusted in the grace that God has given to us in Jesus, and yeah. we pray that they will do the same. That's so helpful. Mm. And again, the kind of ways that confidence can reassure us as we begin dialoguing is just so wonderful. So, thank you for that, Simon.
take a break from our program, I want to invite you to our first live event for 2023. This year, we're considering the virtuous life. And at our first event on March 15th, I'll be presenting on the topic, Is Love Really All You Need? In a world where we're told that love is love, I'm going to be exploring love amongst other virtues and see why it holds a central place in our thinking. And you can find out more information and register yourself, your small group, or your church at ccl.more.edu.au. I'd also like to remind you that all of our events are now by donation only. The entire Center for Christian Living runs exclusively on donations, which pay not for my salary, but for the production and promotion of our materials. So please register for the event and donate what you're able. And if you can't afford any donation, we'd love to have you anyways. Finally, we're hoping to begin a new initiative in our podcast where we hear from and interact with listeners just like you. Many of you have burning ethical questions or scenarios that you'd like advice about, and we'd love to hear from you. Please send us your issues and listen out for an answer in our upcoming episodes, where we'll begin to feature a short segment on your ethical challenges. You can send them to us through our contact page on our website. Now let's get back to our program. So just on that last point you had about confidence, how Mm. can we help Christians be more confident in the goodness of what Christianity offers. In other words, if this really is God's world and God really is good and he really yeah. does love us and calls us to the best way of living, how can we help Christians see that when a world that used to demonize a particular way of life has now demonized the Christian way of life? Yeah. How do you help people in that space? Yeah, I think, again, it's complicated. There's a lot to think about in that. We often have had a history of just teaching the rules and what not to do and how not to be and how not to live. And I think that's really unhelpful in engaging in this space, because as soon as someone says, well, I don't think that rule is true, then you're kind of undermined and you don't have anywhere to go. And so learning about what the deeper truths are of the Bible and the deeper truths about why these things matter is really important and really helpful. And so thinking about not only the obvious points where the Bible deals with homosexuality, but actually thinking about how the whole story of God's word and the whole way that you see that God has created the world impacts this. And so having confidence in it not just being a rule, but it actually being part of a holistic system of how God has made the world and knowing that God is good and that God is loving and he knows what's best for us because he made us. And so I think having that kind of confidence is really helpful. And I think particularly in thinking about these spaces, I was listening to a podcast the other day where someone was talking about how marriage and sex has become a really ultimate thing in our culture, but I think we've fallen into the mistake of making it ultimate even in Christian cultures in implicit ways, even if we don't teach that, by being a little bit lazy in how we talk about marriage. And the fact that it is something that's designed to be a metaphor for our ultimate purpose means that it is a potent thing and a potent thing that can be misused once you remove the purpose that you're heading towards. And so looking at marriage and thinking about marriage and sex, its place in the Christian life and why it is good and why it points to our future with Jesus is something that is not as explored as much, but is super helpful in this space. I've been reading this really great book by Julian Hardiman called Jesus, Lover of My Soul. And it's exploring that space using Song of Songs to think about how that actually portrays Jesus's relationship with us. 
And I just don't think I've ever seen that exploration done so deeply before. I think you hear it said that marriage is this symbol that points to Jesus and the church. But we rarely go really deep into what that means and what that looks like and how we experience that. And so I think pushing into those spaces and understanding what that looks like can be really unhelpful. And that can feel uncomfortable. This book has been uncomfortable for me to read through as it's pushed into this space of actually our sexualities are designed to point us to a deeper relationship with Jesus. And that can feel really uncomfortable because we don't think about it that much. And we're used to kind of thinking about sex in a certain way that undermines its fundamental purpose. And so having that space and learning and thinking about its fundamental purpose and why it's been designed the way it is really helps you to build that confidence in actually what we believe about this is right, not just because it's a rule or not just because it's something God has said in an explicit way, but because implicitly throughout the whole Bible, it is part of his fundamental creation for the world. And so if you believe that God is good and loving, then you can believe that this is a good part of God's world and that that is good for everyone. That's wonderful. And it's so helpful to be able to situate it in a much bigger picture. Mm. And I'm so glad you did that because you're right, we get so caught up in the experience and the immediacy of everything else, especially the sensory experience or even the relational dynamics, that we miss out on something much more important, much more significant, which then certainly has to enable a different experience for somebody that's single. Yeah. And therefore, they're not missing out on something else that would keep them from a genuine human experience or whatever else. But actually, celibacy can be appreciated. Singleness can be appreciated. You can actually be looking on to other things that are deeper and more meaningful and fulfilling in a way that even marriage and sex cannot satisfy. Yeah. And so, that's so helpful. How would you then think about promoting singleness and Mm. celibacy as a good way. Yeah. I think that is really important and really difficult to do and difficult to do well. I think people have not done it well in the past. And so we don't have lots of examples to look to about how to do it really well. And so it can be really hard to think about those things. And I think even in my journey, it's a real process of thinking about celibacy as something that is good and singleness as something that is good. I'm not used to thinking that way. Like our culture doesn't say it's good. And even within the church, it doesn't feel like we think about it as something that is good. And so it's really hard. Like it's taken me a long time and I'm still on that journey of accepting that that is good, even though I've just said about how I believe it's good. But really accepting that within myself is complicated. And I feel like I have been growing in that recently as I've looked more into that space and read more about how the fundamental way that God has made the world and seeing that celibacy can be a really good thing is really important. And so building spaces in our communities where people are accepted and loved and included in things, I think it's really easy for single people to feel excluded when we have programs in church that are helping married couples, helping look after children, and everything sort of points towards this progression that we just accept as how life should go. But actually, as Christians... We should be fighting against the way that we just think is the standard way that we should be living life, because as Christians, we should live life differently. And so we've had a long time of being able to go along with societal norms on a base level because they've kind of aligned, and now we have to think about how to do that differently. And I think thinking about singleness is really essential on so many fronts, on being able to testify to the LGBT community that 
there is a place for them in the church, a place for them to be loved and that God's ethic is good, we need to have really robust ways of looking after single people and not making marriage something that seems ultimate and not living like that. I have a real sense of this and I've heard others that being same-sex attracted and in the church gives you a real sensitivity to hypocrisy and you can really see that sometimes in how people teach about marriage not being ultimate but then you see everyone around you in the church living like it is and that can make you feel really devalued and excluded and can devalue trust even with those people who say those things and then live that way because you really see that the way they're talking is not lining up with how they're living and so thinking about how to do that really helpfully both as a married person and as a single person is so important and so helpful that we can enrich each other's lives because of the different contexts that we're in is so good. And I've seen the goodness of that truth. And I think my love of these things and my comfort in the single life has grown as people have been doing those things and welcoming me into their families and making time for me and making me feel included. That's just been really fundamental in helping me see that actually singleness can be good and understand the ways in which it can be good. I'm reeling here because I think you've said so much that's rich and helpful and I feel quite confronted. I mean, the Christian life is hard enough. We have to live by faith. Mm. And even the call to somebody who's single or in a whole range of circumstances We are always called to live by faith in what God has promised to us is good. But it's another thing then to demonstrate that faith in the works that you have and your lifestyle. And I think you've called us out on some serious blind spots in our churches where we confess one thing, we might even teach on it, and yet we might program and demonstrate that we're convinced by something else. And that only makes it harder and harder for people that are trying to live by faith. Yeah. So, you've done us a service here, Simon, and I've got some things I'm going to probably walk away and really keep thinking on, and thank you for raising it. Just as we wrap up our program, I want to ask you, as I mentioned to you before about my friend working mm. and the conversations she's having, or about the young teenager that I spoke with and the conversation she was having, what do you say when people ask you, are you for LGBTQ? Yeah. Do you support it? How do you answer that in a way that invites deeper conversation, not just being put in a box. So, it requires nuance, I know, but how do you respond to somebody when you get asked about that, and especially when pride comes to town? I think I can't speak heaps from experience in this space. Like, Christian circles has been really what I've grown up in, and I don't have a lot of experience outside that, especially going to a Christian college and now working in ministry. Those opportunities are less for me. And so, I can't necessarily speak from directly going, oh, yeah, I've had this conversation with someone and it's gone well. Here's how it it went well. And so, I think I just want to recognize that that is hard and complicated and I don't have all the answers for that space. But I think some of the things that we were talking about earlier of recognizing that finding what good you can recognize and affirm of a place where people can belong and known and feel loved and how important that is. And that's what we see as a fundamental part of Christian community is a place where people can be known and loved and know and love and be known and loved by Jesus who knows and loves them more intimately than anyone else. And so I think there is space for figuring out good that you can affirm in those things that might help to open up conversations in ways that are just going, ah, oh, no, I don't believe that gay marriage is right. And so that's a way to really close down a conversation. And so being thoughtful about ways in which you can what things can you align with? And there are plenty of things that obviously you can't align with and you will want to stand against as a Christian. But being able to do the hard work and thinking about, actually, I think 
including people is really good and loving people is really good and not putting people down because of who they are or how they experience life is a really good thing for us as Christians to do. And so looking for those things, that is really helpful so that you can say that there is good that you can affirm in including people rather than just going, I'm not for that because of these reasons. But it is complicated and people don't necessarily want to hear nuance. People are not necessarily primed to hear disagreeing with part of this as a loving thing. And so I think just being ready for people not liking what you say is just going to be par for the course in these conversations. Not everyone is going to be happy with you, but being thoughtful about how you respond is really helpful and finding things that you can align with and align with your own values creates a place for common ground to then divert from, but finding that common ground is really helpful in that, I think. Yeah, again, that's very wise and really hope and pray that the Lord will open good opportunities for conversation that can be pleasant and not painful. But it is difficult when we know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Mm. And therefore, in one sense, friendship with God is enmity with the world. And therefore, we're going to be stood against because of our beliefs. But we can stand in our beliefs still with care and respect and love and seek to speak truth in love, even as you've signaled already, by finding ways of connecting, Mm. not shutting down, by finding ways of being compassionate, and standing in our convictions with confidence and not defensiveness. That's really helpful. Simon, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's been a pleasure to have you on for these two episodes, and thank you so much for being willing to share. Yeah, I'm glad I could, and I hope it's encouraging and helpful. benefit from more resources from the Center for Christian Living, please visit ccl.more.edu.au, where you'll find a host of resources, including past podcast episodes, videos from our live events, and articles published through the Center. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and for you to leave us a review so more people can discover our resources. On our website, we also have an opportunity for you to make a tax-deductible donation to support the ongoing work of the Center. We always benefit from receiving questions and feedback from our listeners, so if you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at ccl at more.edu.au. As always, I would like to thank More College for its support of the Center for Christian Living, and to thank my assistant Karen Beelharts for her work in editing and transcribing the episodes. The music for our podcast was generously provided by James West.